Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF the Podcast. This is episode 109 called Calais. Hey everyone, it's Allie and Blair, the co-founders of Fertility Rally, and we wanted to tell you about an amazing event we're hosting on Saturday, April 17th. The event is called Fertility Rally Live, an all-day virtual celebration of the infertility community for anyone and everyone building their modern families and seeking empowerment, education, support, and community. Our speakers are some of the biggest names and brightest minds in the infertility community and beyond. Our morning keynotes are Mina Starsiak-Hawk and Steve Hawk from HGTV's Good Bones. And our afternoon keynote is Jessica Zucker, PhD and author of the acclaimed memoir, I Had a Miscarriage. In addition to those two amazing keynotes, we're hosting a couples panel, a female physicians panel, and 16 breakout sessions covering everything we could squeeze into one day, including surrogacy, IVF, pregnancy after infertility, male factor infertility, donor conception, embryo adoption, recurrent pregnancy loss, and so much more. There will also be tons of giveaways all day long, from fertility-friendly and wellness brands. And of course, a happy hour with a very special guest, a VIP after party, and a virtual swag bag worth hundreds of dollars. If you or someone you know is navigating infertility, you will love our event. We are here to empower and educate you and have some fun along the way, of course. Tickets are on sale now at fertilityrally.com. Head over to our IG at Fertility Rally for even more info on speakers and tickets. We can't wait to rally with you. Hello, Infertile AF listeners. My name is Arden Cartrett, and I'm the host of a brand new show, The Miscarriage Doula Podcast. Named after my doula business, where I help women in the midst of their miscarriage journey and as they navigate life afterward. Weekly, you'll hear stories from women and men who recount their miscarriage journey in an attempt to make you feel less alone. Other guests that you can look forward to are Shara Hutchinson, the author of I Still Want to Be a Mom, Amy Beckley, the founder of Prove Test, and Jessica Zucker, who created the I Had a Miscarriage campaign. Subscribe in your podcast app and follow me on Instagram at The Miscarriage Doula. I'm partnering with Circle Surrogacy and Egg Donation, which recently reached two important milestones themselves, 25 years in business and bringing 2,300 babies into this world. What sets Circle apart from other surrogacy agencies is that almost half of the staff have personal experience as a surrogate, parent through surrogacy, or as an egg donor, or has grown their families through IVF or adoption. They are passionate about helping others achieve their dreams of having a baby because they've been there themselves. They provide exceptional knowledge and experience, fixed costs and financing, and have a 99.3% success rate. Learn more at circlesurrogacy.com and follow them on social media at circlesurrogacy. All right, guys, I am so thrilled for you to hear my conversation today with Calais Stewart, who is a powerhouse in so many ways and definitely one of the coolest people I've met recently in this infertility community. She has so many cool things going on. She's an actor, a writer, a producer, and an advocate for proactive fertility, health, and knowledge. And on Wednesdays, she hosts Warrior Wednesday IG Lives, featuring truthful and empowering stories of infertility told from Black women's experiences and some guys too. And she recently launched the website Warrior-Wednesdays, which has a blog, testimonials, all of her episodes from these IG Lives, and much more. So today, Kalei and I are going to talk about the lack of sex education that young women get. We're going to talk about how she froze her eggs after a long-term relationship came to an end, the misconception that black women are fertile, 
finding doctors that don't brush you off, the movie that she wrote about infertility that she's going to film and star in this summer, which I'm super excited about, and so much more. So it's a great conversation. Definitely give it a listen. Without further ado, this is Kalei's Infertility Story. Kalei, coming at us from Los Angeles very early in the morning. Thank you so much for doing this. It's so good to meet you. So great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for waking me up, actually. It's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely not a morning person, but you sound like you've been up for hours. So I love it. On my second cup of coffee, I'm good. Okay, good. So let's just start. We'll dive right into your, you know, kind of fertility journey. And I know you do a lot of advocacy work that we're going to talk about. You do, you know, these Warrior Wednesday things on Instagram, and you're very vocal about, you know, you're an egg advocate. And you're very vocal about women's health and fertility, which I love. So let's start at the beginning. Did you always want to have kids? I did. I always wanted to be a mother. And I, and I, you know, I always connected with children. Even when I was a child myself, I had a nurturing spirit. So I always knew that it would be in my life. But interestingly enough, as I became a teenager, and I know I said it out loud to my mom many times, I always felt like having a child would happen for me later in life. I don't know if it was just a spiritual knowing or just you know a hunch that I had, but for whatever reason, I never felt like I was going to have the traditional married at 25 and baby at 28 kind of life. I never knew that, you know, I knew that wasn't my path. Mm-hmm. but I always wanted to have children. It's so interesting that you knew that from a young age. And I've talked to a lot of other people who kind of felt that way too. Like I I knew in the back of my mind that I might have a problem having kids. Like I feel like as, as women, we get these kind of gut feelings or like gut instincts about how things are kind of going to play out. I think so too. And I think that in particular, when we don't follow the instinct, you know what I mean? That's when life kind of shows up and we always go back to that moment of, I always knew that this person wasn't the right relationship for me, or I always knew that this thing felt like the wrong job. Like our instincts are super strong. Mm -hmm. And for me, they definitely started at a young age. I was, I remember telling my mom, I think it's going to happen for me in my forties and Mm -hmm. I'm in my forties. So yeah. So what did you know about your fertility? That's another thing I love to talk about you know, just what we learn growing up, you know, for a lot of women around our same age, I'm a couple years older than you, but, um, (laughs) you know, we learned don't get pregnant. It's so easy to get pregnant. You're a tramp. Mm -hmm. If you get pregnant, you know, like it's just, there's, it's so much obviously more complicated than that. And I think that, you know, we had a disservice growing up because we didn't know really what was going on with our own bodies or I didn't at least, but would you agree with that? A hundred percent. I knew not one damn thing about how my reproductive system worked other than if you have sex, you could possibly get pregnant and don't do that in high school. Don't do that in college. But I knew nothing about fibroids, endometriosis, PCOS, like not adenomyosis. I knew nothing about any kind of underlying conditions. Although even at a young age, I had 
friends that would have to stay home from school because their periods were so bad. And in our community, it was more like, oh, that's that's just the way it is. She has bad periods. No, she had fibroids mm-hmm. or she had an underlying condition that nobody knew about. And for me, and this is not to say anything was wrong with, you know, the the talks that we had as women in my family, but there really was an assumption that you're fertile. You, you'll be fine when the time, don't you worry. It was, you know, very that all the way through my twenties or even my thirties. My mom used to nickname me fertile Myrtle mm-hmm. and which was a cute little fun thing, but it always kind of struck me that how do I know though? Like, mm-hmm. and is there a way to know, you know, mm-hmm. there wasn't, and then I wasn't really proactive about it because you just kind of cross the fertility bridge when you come to it. But when you're trying to get pregnant and it's not working, that fertility bridge is a panic zone. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's almost like, look, we actually know where the bridge is. So we should figure out what's on that bridge prior to the try. 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It would be great if, if, you know, young women were got like a series of baseline tests, like this is your, you know, this is X, this is Y, just to kind of know what was going on with them. And also just to be told that it's not easy getting pregnant. It's actually, there's a very small window when it hap- can happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are all little teeny tiny miracles of all the things that need to happen for the egg and the sperm to meet and the fallopian tubes and to implant the endometrium lining and for the, the pregnancy to be active and, and go all the way to 40 weeks to be here. Like there's all of these miracles that literally need to consistently happen right. for us to be born. And we don't have any clue about that, about how hard it is not just to get pregnant, but you know, for a lot of us to stay pregnant. And so uh-huh. You know, there's a lot of education that is missed that we we do not commonly get in health class and you know, and in a higher education about what our bodies do. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a real disservice to us that we don't have this information until we're panicking because we're trying to get pregnant. And it's not working. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely want to talk about all the education that you're doing, but before we get into that you mentioned the fertility bridge. So tell me about like, when did you get to that point when you like even got on the bridge? When did you step onto the fertility bridge and start? (laughs) When did my behind get there? Right. Exactly. You know what? I was hanging out in my life thinking that, you know, everything would just happen whenever it happened and not worrying too much and not, you know, doing too much. I remember I would ask my gynecologist from time to time in my thirties, like, Hey, you know, I might want to get pregnant one day soon. And, oh, you're okay. You're still, you know, you're 30, 31. You should try soon. But, you know, it was always kind of brushed aside. No one ever gave me any indication that I would have a problem, whether it was my family or whether it was an OBGYN appointment. I happen to look young, y'all, which is (laughs) something I like. But sometimes I would have to remind my OBGYN how old I was Mm -hmm. because she didn't necessarily look at the chart and look at my age that way because she was kind of thinking, you still got time. No, well, we don't know. Uh Um, But I was in a seven-year relationship with a person with sperm. And I really thought that this was the only thing that I wanted at the time. And I was kind of lying to myself. He wasn't the best of partners, but I 
figured I don't want to be single in LA and then try to have, you know, meet somebody else and have a baby. So I'm just going to stick this shit out. Well, Mm -hmm. not the right thing to do. And after years of trying to figure that out and counseling and cheating and all of this crap that I took on for myself, we had our final breakup because, you know, breakups kind of go back and forth a couple of times before you put that nail in the coffin. Of course. And yeah. you you know how it is, the mm-hmm. bull crap. So um, when he left for the final time, the door slammed. And I'm a woman of faith. Everybody has their different thing. Mm-hmm. I am a woman of faith. Mm-hmm. And I literally heard God say, go freeze your eggs. Whoa. In my spirit, in my soul. And it was profound. I didn't cry. I didn't get in my bed and grab Ben and Jerry's ice cream. (laughs) I was like, word. And I got on the phone and I called my OBGYN Mm -hmm. and I said, okay, God, if this is you, then this will like flow. Like Mm -hmm. this will make sense. And when I got on, they gave me a referral. And then I called the fertility clinic, did a little bit of research online And I just wanted a consultation. Just what does that sound like? What does Mm -hmm. that look like? And they said, well, we would, you know, need you to come in while you're on your cycle. I happened to have just started my cycle Mm -hmm. when I was breaking up with him. And so they said, can you come Wednesday? And so it was like a couple days away. Wow. And exactly. So I was like, this is kind of feeling like it's flowing. Mm -hmm. And I went in there and had a two hour consultation with a great doctor. And I don't, I know that that doesn't happen often. You know, we should definitely be interviewing our doctors until we find the right one. But Mm -hmm. it just so happened that I landed in very good hands. And I learned in that moment that I was a good candidate for freezing. We did the ultrasound. I saw the follicles. I all of a sudden was getting this grand education about what the hell was going on in my body. So Mm -hmm. instead of grieving this relationship, I was creating my future. I didn't think I was going to break up with somebody and then have a doctor in between my thighs. But (laughs) instead of grief, (laughs) I was, I was literally starting my potential family on my own. And it felt really empowering. Yeah, completely. And it was flowing. Um, It was flowing. Tell me how old were you at that point? 37. Okay. So when you Mm -hmm. went in, what were some of the things that you guys talked about in this two hour consultation? And did you learn stuff about your body, even in the consultation that you're like, oh, damn, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I had no idea what follicular atresia was. I didn't even really understand what a follicle was. Like, to be honest, I didn't know what an ovulation cycle really did in terms of, I'm thinking I lose, you know, 12 eggs in a year if, if I don't get pregnant. Well, true, you lose 12 mature eggs in a year, but the follicles that were released in each ovulation cycle, if you're pregnant, those follicles put out estrogen and progesterone to feed that new baby. And if not, those follicles disintegrate. So Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I was actually losing one mature egg, but all the follicles that could have been eggs that came with it. So I didn't understand the process of that. We talked about that. We talked about my age. We talked about, you know, because he found a lot of follicles in that initial consultation. One of the things he said is this could probably be your second child based off of, you know, what timing you, you start trying or getting in a new relationship and all of those things. But I had, I really didn't know. Number one, how miraculous we are as women and, Mm -hmm. and how incredible nature is, but also 
the gratitude of science and, and doctors that have helped catch up with where we are as a society and, and the assistance that most of us need. I feel like I joined a really big freaking club. Now, when I froze my eggs, it was elective, you know, but mm-hmm. I later on, this experience helped me serve other women in my life that had to freeze their eggs before radiation because of a cancer diagnosis. And, yeah. you know, so my, my world really opened up on that bridge about, wait a minute, there's a lot here that we need discussed in terms of reproduction and our overall health. But I, I learned a ton in mm-hmm. my first consultation. So yeah. did you go, you moved forward with the egg freezing on that cycle? I moved forward. That was September. I was freezing my eggs in December. So okay. it was my Christmas present to myself. And I <laughs> called Mama, Mama Stu, who's um, my amazing, awesome mother. And um, <laughs> Mama Stu, I love that. Mom, Mama Stu, she is the homie. She's everybody's homie. And um, she flew out here. And I remember calling her and I just said, so yeah, Chris and I broke up and I'm freezing my eggs. And she was like, hell yeah, for both of that. And Mama Stu, that's awesome. She was like, absolutely. Okay, fuck him. And what are we doing? And I'm like, we're freezing my eggs. And she's like, okay, great. So (laughs) (laughs) she came out and um, went to all the doctor's appointments with me, you know, the ultrasounds and the blood tests that are happening every day and getting the medication. And and my mom and I both are equally afraid of needles. And, Mm -hmm. but she was my nurse putting those injections in the ovaries every day. And we made videos about it. We had fun with it. We, Mm -hmm. you know, this was, I remember my mom dropped one of the needles one time and freaked out. I said, mom, they give you extras, like calm down. She's like, I just dropped my grandchildren. I said, no, you didn't. You dropped. <laughs> you dropped the needle, but we're, we're going to make it through. Right. So we found a really good way to have fun with it. Right. So did you know that you wanted to start kind of sharing your story publicly right away? And did you start sharing it right away? Like where were all these videos ending up? No, I did not want to share it publicly. I didn't freeze my eggs for the public. I didn't freeze my eggs to be an advocate at all. Uh Uh So for me, it was just, this was my way of, you know, some women get their hair cut when they go through a breakup. I froze my eggs. Right. (laughs) Totally. Some people cut cut bangs, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Some people do it a different way. Some people move apartments. No, I, I go to the fertility clinic. So this was just like my way of empowering myself and ensuring at least that there was some potential fertility. And I, you know, I got 29 eggs in the, in the first cycle. And I remember when I woke up, my doctor and my mom were talking and, um, my mom, the doctor said to my mom, you know, she's a feisty one. She asked me a lot of questions and she argued with me. And my mom said, Oh, who are you telling? Because if they were doing this procedure back in my day, her ass would still be frozen. And when my mom said that, that's when I actually realized how lucky I was to be born and live in a generation where there is assistance. That's when I realized that because Mm -hmm. my mom and her generation and the generations before her that had the same issues that we have did not have the medical science to help her because my mother probably would have prolonged her time, traveled Mm -hmm. more, you know? So that became my first sense of advocacy in my spirit. Like, mm, it still wasn't public, but I was like, 
wow, this, this is just as much for her as it is for me and for the women that didn't have these, these opportunities. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and women that are that internal biases that go on and women that don't have the, the, the finances and the legislation that needs to be changed. So that's what got my wheel spinning. But mm-hmm. when I became public about it, it was because I had a panic attack. Years had gone by and still wasn't in the right relationship. And you know, how when you go to the grocery store and you see a carton of eggs and there's a sell by date. Mm-hmm. So the one question I forgot to ask, dude, was, is there a fertilized by date for mm-hmm. these damn eggs? And so I panicked and I called the clinic and I spoke to the embryologist and they gave me some sound information about the new science and so forth and so on. But they said to me, don't worry, you're not the only woman that calls here panicking even after they've had a successful procedure. Well, that pissed me off beyond belief because Mm -hmm. why are we always brought to a place of panic as women before we're helped? And I'm an actor, but I'm also a writer. Mm -hmm. And so because that made me angry and because the way that I fight is through my art, I picked up my computer and I started to write a movie. So that movie about my fertility journey and fertility in general has been sold and to a major network and you guys will see it. Yes. Yes. And it'll be shot this summer. So it's pretty, it would have been shot earlier, but COVID. Right. Um, Right. Right. But my way of fighting back was to put it out there. And Mm -hmm. that started the, that started the advocacy is my, my writing. Okay. And um, yeah, that was my start. I have so many questions. Okay. Just backing up a little <laughs> bit to the cycle and the egg freezing. How did you do like on the stims and the drugs and all that? Like, how did your body react? Did you feel different? Did some people feel kind of crazy? Hormones are obviously out of control. How did it affect you? I ate like there was no tomorrow, burgers, fried chicken, mm-hmm. everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. I got very, very bloated but I was okay with that. I was extremely tired after I would take a shot. It was the weirdest thing. Like 20 minutes later, I would pass out tired on the mm-hmm. couch. My mood swings were no different than my regular hormonal mood swings. I'm a moody girl. Okay. I'm an artist. I'm an artist. So right. I cry at the drop of a hat. I I'm feisty. Like the doctor said. So if I was going through extreme mood swings, my mother would know that a lot more than I would. I mm-hmm. was just in it. I was in it, but I was so, you know, I was already going through a breakup. So there was, you know what I mean? I had a lot, a lot going, going on. on. Yeah. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't really paying attention to that part of it. To be perfectly honest, I had a goal in mind, get as many eggs as you can. My doctor mm-hmm. had an ego. I usually don't work with men when it comes to my vagina, but <laughs> he had an ego about how many eggs he gets and, you know, how many eggs he's, he's retrieved from women. So I was like, yeah, I want that. I want uh-huh. the dude that, that wants to make this a contest with himself. That's, I don't give a shit. Like uh-huh. just get as many as you can, but I didn't really, yeah, I, I was affected by it, but it was in at that time in my life. And still it was worth it. It was mm-hmm. worth it. So then when you saw the sell by date at the grocery store, how long had, had your eggs been frozen at that point? They had been frozen about four years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They have been frozen about four years. Yep. All right. I also want to ask about the faith piece of this because, you know, sometimes there can be a conflict with women of faith or thinking about 
you know, like what you should be doing and shouldn't be doing. Did that come into play at all for you? Like, did you have any internal conflicts about, you know, this, this is the plan or don't have medicine intervene or science or anything like that? I don't want to put words in your mouth at all. So if you didn't, cool, that's your story. But I'm curious if, if it came into play. No, because like I said, I heard God say, go freeze your eggs. Okay. So for me, it, it yeah. was the start of it was from a spiritual place. Love it. That that being said, you know, again, and then when my mom was talking about the fact that if they were doing it at her time, that I would probably still be frozen mm-hmm. was, a, was another kind of like cornerstone of faith for me of how far we've come in certain opportunities. But I constantly ask God about what I'm doing. And, and if it doesn't feel right, he tells me if it feels right, he does. And so when you asked me earlier, like, did you always want to advocate for it? And and I said, you know, no, I didn't freeze my eggs for this. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm on the platform that I'm on, now that I sold the movie that we're going to shoot, that's going to help a bunch of women learn more about their reproductive system. Mm-hmm. Now I know why God had me freeze my eggs. Mm-hmm. So okay. my faith has grown from this experience. Yeah, never. Never was it challenged because the reality is my frozen eggs that are, that are in the freezer, even to this day are doing more for my life now, Mm -hmm. unborn, unborn than I ever could have imagined the day that I got them retrieved. So faith has shown up big time, Mm -hmm. big time. Now there are people that think, you know what, you're messing with God don't put science with what his plan is. Right. And that's, that's what I was kind of their, alluding to. Yeah. I get that. And that's their opinion. And sometimes I get those DMS and, and they have the right to, everybody has the right to whatever spiritual practice works for their life. Yes. But the reality is I never tell women to freeze their eggs. I never tell women to go through IVF. And the reason is it's a personal decision. Mm -hmm. It's a financial decision. I'm not going to tell a woman to go shoot hormones up her body. That's Mm -hmm. not my job. I'm not a doctor. What I advocate for is proactive fertility, health, and knowledge. I advocate for the thing that I did not have, which is an understanding of my ovarian reserve and how my body works. I gave away my best baby making years to the wrong relationship. Mm-hmm. And had I known that those seven years that I was giving him my biology and not just my efforts or my time trying to find better ways to communicate or my forgiveness after he cheated, fuck all that. I gave him my biology, my best baby making years. Mm-hmm. That was not that was not okay with me. And so what I advocate for is making sure that other women understand what they are giving away. Um, in that same, in that same light. So yeah, my, my, my faith is strong. Oh my God. I fully just got the full body chills and tears just like welled (laughs) up in my eyes when you said that it, that is so perfectly stated. Thank you for saying that. Of course. That was a, (laughs) that was good. good. (laughs) Um, so what can you tell me about this movie? I'm sure you're under like, you know, all these contracts. I'm under- and gag order. Yeah. Gag order. Um, yeah. Can you, can you tell us anything about it? Are you going to be in it? Um, how was the writing process? Everything. Writing process was painfully beautiful because I have to touch on all of the things that hurt me, that scare me, that 
make me doubt myself as an artist, doubt myself as a woman? Am I a failure because it hasn't happened yet? Will Mm -hmm. those eggs work? You know, all of those things. But I also, I'm not to give away any plot points, but it's not just my story. Like I said, I've, I've met many women throughout my life that have opened my eyes to the way fertility has affected their life, including women that don't want to have children and that Mm -hmm. get shamed by society because they don't have a quote unquote maternal instinct, like Mm -hmm. leave them alone, like let them live their life without asking them, why don't you want kids? Because I freaking don't. So all of those things, you know, come into play. I didn't want to just write a story of a girl that just wants to have a baby. So she froze her eggs. Like, Mm -hmm. no, we're so much more nuanced and complex than that. But so, yes, I am starring in the film and hopefully (laughs) it's fun. Hopefully. Yeah. I can't talk about all the little things, but basically like you'll see stuff announced at some point. And that's what this industry always does is when cameras start rolling, announcements start going out. Yes. So you'll know all the players involved at some point. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have the biggest smile on my face right now. I cannot, <laughs> this is so exciting. Like, are you, are you freaking out that it's happening? It's huge. I'm not, I am not. And, and I don't say that in a negative way. When you talked about faith before, when Mm -hmm. it became, when it became my call to do these things, because let me, let me say this. One of the producers on the film happens to be my manager. Okay. So my manager wanted to be, and she won't mind me sharing this, a single mother by choice. She sold her home and everything in order to move in with her family to save some money to do this. And Mm -hmm. so, and this was after I froze my eggs, but before my panic attack, just to give you a timeline. Okay. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so when she was going through the process, I was helping her choose sperm, like online. We were doing the whole thing. And one of her last tests concluded that she has a unicorn uterus. Okay. So basically a unicorn uterus, mm-hmm. and it would be very dangerous for her to carry. So with all of the tears and the pain and the sacrifices that she made to now know that getting pregnant is not a good thing for her to do, that devastated her. My panic attack happened shortly after that. And so then I wrote the movie and called her and said, I know a way for us to heal Mm. and I know a way for us to help other women. And so this has been, you know, not a quick journey. This Mm -hmm. has been a couple of years and so when you say like, are you, um, I'm not freaking out now. And when I say that, I don't mean it in a negative way. Like, am I happy? And I'm like, oh my God, it's finally happening. Right. Yes. But what I do know is it's not about me. Mm-hmm. And so there's a part of me that, that I will probably freak out when I see the movie, but mm-hmm. until it's, it's done, I have a job to do. Mm-hmm. And my job is to serve the women that are in this community with us, with me and Robin, my manager, who I just mentioned, I have a job to do. So I, I will freak out when, <laughs> when, <laughs> when you're on the say, red carpet, right? Yeah, that's a wrap. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Well, that's amazing. Does it have a title yet? Uh, yes, I can't say though. Okay, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> so, okay. Tell me about these Warrior Wednesdays that you do on Instagram. You've worked with some women who I've met through this community, like Regina Townsend, who I love and adore. Love her. And Nichelle, who I also love. Both of them have been on my podcast before. When did you actually dive in and start, you know, kind of doing these events and these lives and all of this, this content? 
Well, I started doing it during uh, the COVID lockdown. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a couple weeks in and I knew that our industry had shut down. I had a rewrite to do, but I knew that it would prolong any production of of the film because now all the films that were supposed to shoot during COVID would get ahead of anything that was behind it. And so I was sitting here as most, if not everybody on the globe did, reflecting on their life, their purpose, you know, their calling, their mistakes, all of those things. And I was literally just scrolling Instagram one day and, you know, somebody was talking about Woman Crush Wednesday and I guess I was kind of snide and I was like, who gives a shit? Like, you know, we're in COVID. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I have a whole different outlook on life right now. Like you can go outside and catch a virus that can kill you or people that you love. And, and, and it's happened to, to, to me in terms of that. So I was like, who cares about a crush? Right. You know, and I was kind of going through it and I was like, what about, you know, the women that I look up to these warrior women? And I was like, oh that's what I can do with my time and this, mm-hmm. this new space that we're in. I just wanted to, because I had a movie that would be stalled, but I had a call on my life that couldn't wait. Mm. So the only way for me to continue to be a part of the conversation was to create something where the conversation was happening. So I just literally on a whim, just put on an Instagram story. How about we do Warrior Wednesdays? I'm going to do something called Warrior Wednesdays, not even mapping it out or knowing what it was going to become. Mm -hmm. And I called Dr. Cindy M. Duke, who Mm -hmm. is a fabulous doctor, fertility specialist of the Nevada Fertility Institute, who I had spoken to on a live before. And I asked her if she would be my first guest. I want to do this thing. Like, who knows what it's going to be? And so she Mm -hmm. said, yes. And from there, it just became a weekly Instagram show for raw, you know, transparent conversations about fertility and women's health. And a lot of it is told through culturally the Black female experience because we are not on the broader scale conversation of Mm -hmm. infertility. So I began to talk about fibroids and endometriosis and all the things had Regina on, like I said, Danielle Brooks, who is a fabulous actress that you guys know Mm -hmm. from Orange is the New Black, talking about her emergency C-section. My friend Sherry Shepard came on and talked about the miscarriage that she had when she was pregnant with twins and lost one. So we've had many women of all different walks of life, like you mentioned, Michelle Polston of Her Normal, who is the literal bridge to bringing different infertility warriors together. And it just became a thing where different women that I reached out to and different women that reached out to me that had a story to share, I hopefully provided a safe space. Now, one of the the episodes that I'm most proud of recently is talking to three men. Mm-hmm. about their experiences of infertility, whether it was male factor infertility, their experiences with miscarriage, their experiences being partners with somebody that has ovaries that went through the IVF process, multiple rounds, mm-hmm. um, having those three men, and it was a two hour live, mm-hmm. um, break down in tears, honey, and yeah. tell their, their truth of their fears and their exhaustion and, and not being people that are, you know, that it's not normal for them to express this. Mm-hmm. And, and even my pre-interviews with them were very tender and, and delicate because 
this was a very scary thing for them to do, but they freed so many people and, and our warrior community just cheered them on. It's really so powerful. And it's, I agree with you. It's so important to get the guys talking about this too, you know? Yeah. I'd love to hear more about your, you know, black female experience going through this. I talked to Regina about this at length and Nichelle Sublet too. Tell me about, you know, your take on that and, you know, societal norms and societal pressures and how that comes into play when it comes to fertility and infertility. Well, there's, you know, multiple things. I'm sure you know about J. Marion Sims, who's deemed the father of gynecology, who Mm -hmm. did experiments on enslaved African women without Mm -hmm. anesthesia Mm -hmm. and the internal bias and the valid mistrust that Black women and, and women of color have for the healthcare system. It has not been care for us. And yeah. so with women, uh, Black women experiencing higher birthing mortality rates and infant mortality rates, and our pain is not believed uh, or accepted and, and disproportionate healthcare in just so many different ways, it's really important not just to have the conversation, but to exact the change that needs to happen. One of the things that I love about Regina and Michelle and many other Black women that are out here in the infertility conversation space is that we're here, but not a lot of people know. And so I sometimes hear Black women say, I didn't know who to talk to. All the blogs that I joined, I'm the only Black girl or I'm Mm -hmm. one of two. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I want to do is to make sure that I highlight all of the Black women that are advocates, not Mm -hmm. just in the website, you know, blogging space, but also like Nichelle Polston, who's on the board of Resolve and and different places to create legislation. And then just, you know, within our community itself, within the Black community itself, because of the history of health and not care in this country for Black people because of the history of Tuskegee and J. Marion Sims and all of those things. Sometimes even in our own community, there are myths that need to be debunked because enslaved African women were seen as breeders. Therefore, sometimes in our community, we have a misconception that Black women are fertile. Mm-hmm. And it's the complete opposite. And, mm-hmm. you know, we are sometimes more, you know, have more issues getting pregnant than our white counterparts. But because we have this notion that has traveled throughout our DNA for centuries, we have to stop saying the things that are not true and start honoring, you know, that our experience, what it what it really is, and so that we can seek the care and the assistance that we deserve. Um mm-hmm. And, and highlighting Black specialists and fertility doctors, because listen, I'm going to be completely transparent. Mm-hmm. I feel more safe and comfortable with somebody that looks like me. Mm-hmm. And until this world changes where we're not getting killed on the street because we're literally mm-hmm. just outside, yeah, there is some things that no matter how much we want to you know, sing Kumbaya together are just not the truth. Yeah, And so when it comes to your health and to your care, finding a physician that makes you feel at ease, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a, a physician of color, 
but it's a personal thing. It's a personal thing to find somebody that speaks into your listening, that believes your pain, that doesn't brush you off to mm-hmm. the side. And we have not been, what happens when society discriminates to this level is that we actually have to be trained to advocate for ourselves. Do you yeah. know what I mean by that? Yeah. Like Because it be, these microaggressions become the norm to the point that you aren't really realizing that this is biased, what's happening to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to advocate for myself. So I've had a ton of women, young Black women especially, say things, well, my doctor just said this, so I just believe them, not knowing how to use their voice yet. So I don't judge it. I don't say you're wrong. I don't, you know, whatever, but it's what, what happened to them was a micro aggressive, racist, dismissive comment Mm -hmm. against her because of some sort of bias going on. Mm -hmm. So we need to actually also empower each other to fight against this. And we shouldn't have to, but we have to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And you're doing such important work and highlighting these just incredible, incredible women across the board. Tomorrow, I'm launching the Warrior Wednesdays website where all of the videos will be collected along with resources and blogs. And you can upload a two-minute testimonial. So a bunch of my cool friends are going to have a live Warrior Wednesday birthday party for me. And we're going to launch this website together. So that's so fun. (laughs) It'll be a good time. That's amazing. So where, where are you right now in terms of your fertility? And do you know what's like next steps or anything for you? You know what I did? It's interesting because, because I'm in this, this world of infertility. um, I, I, you hear me hesitating is because so many things are triggering. Um, mm. when people, when people ask you, mm. you know, when are you going to have a baby or when are you going to defrost those eggs? We mm. want this baby. Like I froze my eggs to take the pressure off. Yes. So often, oftentimes, you know, people put the pressure back on. And so I apologize if that, that triggered no, you by me asking. No, that. no, 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 no. It actually did not. Please, 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 please. Actually, no need to apologize because the reason you'll you'll see what I mean. Okay. The, it wasn't it wasn't triggering in that light for me. I choose to speak about it publicly. But what I meant was it can be triggering is that because I speak to so many women that have a lot of underlying conditions and situations going on, I just found out recently that even in my at my age, I have a ton of eggs left. Mm-hmm. And that's really good news. Mm-hmm. But it's news that I wouldn't, you know, I I wouldn't share without knowing that it could trigger somebody Mm. and that and then at the same time that I want to share because it can give somebody hope. So it's so what I meant by that was when you said, well, what's next for you? I literally just had an appointment and she thought that she felt a fibroid. And because I've done all of these talks and and things like that, I know all of the symptoms from all of my warrior friends. Mm -hmm. And I knew in my spirit, I don't have a fibroid. Mm. And I knew that. And so she said, I need to do an ultrasound. And I said, okay. And I even said out loud, I don't have one, but go ahead. And she did the ultrasound and we're looking at the screen and she said, damn, you have a ton of eggs left. Mm -hmm. 
And I closed my eyes. So earlier when you asked me about faith and at mm-hmm. the beginning of this interview, when I said, I always knew this would happen later for me, it was like, it was God saying, I, I'm keeping my promise to you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because when you reach a certain age, you you know, and you do that ultrasound, you don't know what you're going to see. Yeah. And um, as a child, when I knew it would happen later, and I have 29 potential babies frozen. And even if I adopted, even if I fostered, I know I'm meant to be a mom one day. But there was a sigh of relief mm-hmm. that my spirit wasn't wrong and that the only reason that she thought she felt a fibroid is because I believe God wanted to show me. Wow. That what you felt as a child was true and you froze those eggs. And I told you because I put this call on your life to be a part of this community and help create change with other women besides you that are also helping to create change through their experiences, through their losses, through their IVF rounds, through their miscarriages, through their PCOS, through their fibroids, all things that I haven't experienced. Mm -hmm. But I've experienced a deep longing and a deep loneliness. And I've experienced a responsibility to be transparent and honest And hopefully create safe spaces for women and men to talk about infertility. And so when I said it's triggering, it was triggering for me to look at myself as being fertile in this moment, but to be a part of a community of infertility. And so I haven't shared that with my Warrior Wednesday family. Mm -hmm because I want to hold their hand. Mm -hmm. And, but I also know that it might give hope to, and Hey, that doesn't mean that those eggs are of the best quality. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I haven't tried to have, you know, I understand how this works by, you know, biologically, we all know it's about the quality of the eggs and they are older and all of those things. But there was a moment with God there that let me exhale. So that's what I meant is that I always want to keep the the women because I mainly talk to women in my life protected emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes that yeah. means I keep things to myself. A yeah. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was a moment right there. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Don't no, be sorry. I, mean, I love I'm glad. The, I'm glad you asked. I love, asked. I love that you're so transparent and, you know, vulnerable. And I think that all of us who are out here trying to make these changes and support these people and give them that space like you're doing and like I'm doing, you know, we have that, that empathy where you walk that line, right? Like you don't want to ever say anything that hurts people, but the fact of the matter is people are in pain and sometimes they do get yeah. hurt by things where you're, you know, you might be trying to give them hope. So it's, a, it's tricky. It's tricky, but it is, it's tricky. It's tricky. And kind because, of follow your heart. Yeah. Cause if you had asked me that question before that doctor's appointment, I'd be like, Oh girl, I don't know. You know, one day I'll do this. Maybe I'll right. do that. Totally. But then when, you know, on, on the heels of it, it's like, yeah, I was, I had my own emotion about yeah. again, not knowing the quality, but had my own emotion because it was an encounter that I had with God. And, and now I am, I am, to your point, 
empathetic. And yeah. this is my sis- this is my sisterhood. And okay. I know, I know the triggers. I know them. And it ain't gonna come from me. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our convo and Kalei. Uh, I love you, girl. Thank you so much for sharing and getting vulnerable. Can't wait to see all the incredible things you are doing and are going to do and that you have planned. So on another note, guys, Fertility Rally Live Spring Edition is happening very soon on April 17th. We would love it if you guys would come and check out all the amazing programming we've put together. We've got Mina Starsiak and Jessica Zucker as our keynote speakers. Mina's from HGTV. Jessica Zucker is the author of I Had a Miscarriage. We've got a Run It Like a Girl female physician panel. We've got a couples and infertility panel. We've got 16 breakout sessions covering everything from secondary infertility to surrogacy to childlessness after infertility, to IVF and egg freezing, breakthroughs in genetic testing, repeat pregnancy loss, and so, so, so much more. So definitely check out our site at fertilityrally.com. You can see more on our Instagram at fertilityrally. Also, even if you can't make it live, you have access to everything for 30 days after the event. So come and feel empowered and feel supported. And you will also get lots of giveaways. We have tons of sponsors who are donating items and we're giving them all away throughout the day. So connect with your fertility community and just have a great time with us. We would love to rally with you. Hope to see you guys there. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Thanks.